Well, welcome to Thanksgiving Sunday. Glad that you're, you're all here today. Our text is Luke 17, if you want to turn to that, Luke chapter 17. Uh, we are taking a break from the greatest story. We'll have uh, today and then the month of December, we'll be talking about Christmas, and we'll get started back in January with uh, Act 2 and the greatest story. You know, I was I was thinking about this this week, and I and I and I love Thanksgiving and and just the opportunity to to think about <clears throat> the the things that God has done for us and how blessed that we are beyond what we deserve, and to give thanks to God and and just being thankful for this week. And you know, I was thinking I was thinking back about you know it was less than ten years ago that we had the the recession. And, and and I remember how many people were unemployed and, and how the economy is down and and, and uh, some of you may have been unemployed during that time frame and maybe experienced some difficulty with that. And I remember thinking that, you know, that people were like, you know, if I could just find a job, you know, they'd have them on TV and, you know, I just want to find something to do. I'll be so, I'll just be so grateful if I can just find a job. I was thinking about that when, when I read the Gallup survey that showed that 16% of people are actively disengaged at work. Another 55% consider themselves just regularly disengaged at work. So if you add this up, that's 71% of people are either actively or somewhat actively disengaged at work and I'm like these are the people these are the people who are saying if I just had a job I'd be so thankful I'd be so th- I've worked so hard how quickly we forget how quickly we forget I think how quickly we forget so many things and to be thankful for what we have is on that list you know, there's, there's that list of things we think we ought to do more. You know, we ought, to, we ought to read our Bibles more. We ought to pray more. We ought to praise God more. We ought to give thanks more. Those are things we, we always think, well, we ought, wait, well we, we ought to do that. And yet, somehow, we don't quite get there. How does that happen? I was thinking back to 2008 for that. And then I thought back a long time ago. To the first Thanksgiving, and I was thinking about the pilgrims who got here, about 110 of them, and less than half of them survived the first winter, and then they had a Thanksgiving service. Now, think about that, and how much does it take, um, uh, how much does it take for us to lose our gratitude and these people lost their loved ones. They lost people that were near and dear to them, and they gave thanks to God. Somehow, somehow they had a bigger picture. Somehow they had a greater reality than I think we did. I ran across a quote from Stephen Andrews, who's a minister, and I'm thinking Episcopalian maybe. He said this, The most reliable measure of an individual's true health and prosperity is whether he or she possesses a grateful spirit. Now, you can debate that if you want to, but think about it. Just just think about that. 
the most reliable measure of your health and prosperity is gratitude. Those who are bitter and full of resentment, those who are restrained in their praise and unrestrained in their criticism are poor indeed despite their material wealth or celebrity. I'm pretty sure that's right. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure that's spot on. But the man or woman who cultivates a spirit of thankfulness, slim means or reasons for worry notwithstanding, demonstrates just how rich he or she is. I think that's good stuff. I think it's good stuff for us. Luke 17 this morning, starting in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God abides now and forever. May He bless the reading of it today. Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem. He's in the border country between the Jews who hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans who returned the favor, so to speak. There were ten lepers who encountered Jesus, and even in this God-forsaken corner of the world, Jesus, the healer's reputation, had gotten around. They had heard about this Jesus, and they got thinking, if he can cure people who are blind, if he can make the lame to walk again. And you know, I heard that story that he could even raise people from the dead back to life. He can do that. What about leprosy? You think he does leprosy? Think leprosy might be in his repertoire of things that he can fix, that he can take care of? Guys, we don't have, we don't have anything to lose. Let's, let's, let's give this a try. You see, these ten men had leprosy. Now, leprosy, we need, you need to understand, it's a double whammy. It's double jeopardy. You not only have this disease that deteriorates your body you, 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 you're, you're, you don't feel things you, when you cut yourself or, or whatever and you, you're, your appendages grow numb and, and then they, the, your hands become gnarled and then you lose the tip of your nose and the tips of your ears to this terrible disease. On top of that, it was very contagious and so what happened was if you got this disease you were excluded from everybody else. You couldn't be around other people. 
you couldn't you couldn't be around other people. And 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 you, could you imagine this happening to you? You start realizing your your hand and your feet are numb, and your wife sees this spot on you and this white spot, and that that's a whole lot of stuff in the Old Testament about white spots and going to. The, I remember, I remember when I was in the, about the eighth grade. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, and I was I was looking at my arm. And on my arm, right here, I saw this white spot. And we'd read about that in the Bible, and I thought, oh, my land, I have leprosy. I have leprosy. And then I started scratching it, and it came off. I think it was flour or something. I don't even know. I don't know what it was now. I was, I was, just, I was pretty relieved at the moment that I didn't have leprosy. But these guys did. Can you imagine the wife saying, honey, you, 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 got, you got to go see the priest and go and see the priest. And they went through their protocol and they said, he's, the priest says, you're unclean, you're a leper, you've got to leave your family. And so you go out to the edge of the village and you're out there and they send word to your wife and your wife comes out and you stand away and she comes and leaves some clothes for you in a pile, maybe a little bit of food maybe a few coins she professes her love for you and then she says goodbye and she leaves you that was terrible that was a terrible disease so you go and you your community becomes people who are like you people who are already Infected, already have the disease, so you hang out together because you can't hurt each other. Can you imagine the first time you put the cloth over your face and you shouted out those words, unclean, unclean, so no one would come near you? Over time, your hands gnarl, you lose maybe the tip of your nose. But they heard about this Jesus, and they called out to him from a distance, and they, they stood at a distance. Tradition was you didn't get within 100 steps of somebody else. That's a long way. It's a football field. And they shouted out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And we need to understand it's the, it's the cry. It's not the cry of the entitled demanding that he do something. It is the humble cry of dependence. It's the cry of people kind of like us, who have nowhere else to turn except to Jesus. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. That was the law. Remember, the, the priests were the only ones who declared you clean, clean or unclean. And they, so they needed to go back and show that they had been healed. Because if the priest says you're clean, you get a clean bill of health, you could return to your family and to work to the broader community and get on with your life again. Go show yourself to the priest. Go do something. Go do this. Go to the priest, tell them this. And, and it reminds me of they had to take a step. They had to do something. It reminds me of Naaman, the, the Syrian in the Old Testament, who was also a leper. And he went to see Elisha, and Elisha said, go, go bathe in the, uh, in the Jordan River. And he, he kind of balked because he says, we've got better, cleaner rivers back in Syria. Why don't I go down there and wash? And uh, his servant said, you know, this is what the prophet said. You better do it his way. And he did, and he went, and he obeyed, and he was cleansed. 
And so I think, I would say this about the ten before we, before we castigate the nine too much. We need to recognize that they all showed a step of faith by, by leaving and going and show, to show themselves to the priest. Because realize what's happening here. It's like saying, it's kind of like, like, doctor, I want to come back to see you. I don't think I have cancer anymore. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you know, you've had cancer, you've had cancer, you cancer. You pick up the phone and you call the doctor and say, hey, doc, I think I'm healed. Can I come in to see you? That's what they're doing. They're going back to the priest. The priest is like, I've seen all you guys before. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, this, is, this is the deal. So to their credit, they took the step and to, to take off. And they, they took off. And it says as they were going, as they were going, that they were cleansed. As they took that step of faith, as they were on their way, So, what you think if they just stood there and said, mm, I don't know. I don't think they're cleansed. I don't think they're healed. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And that's what they did. So as they're going, as this plays out, can you imagine this in your mind's eyes? They're, 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 they're rushing off. This, these ten men are rushing off, and the people know they're lepers, and so the, the people kind of, you know, waters open up, so to speak. They get out of their way as they're coming, and, and they're stumbling along, and all of a sudden they're not stumbling because their feet aren't numb anymore. And, and, and you can imagine one of them says, Hiram, your nose. He says, what about my nose? He says, well, you have one. <laughs> You have a nose now. My hands. And they, they realized that they were cleansed, that they were healed. And the cry of pity, Jesus' master, now becomes a cry of praise and thankfulness. One of them, all of them scurry off to the priest except for the one who says, seeing he was healed, idea he knew he perceived the depth of the reality hit him and he turned back i was thinking about the 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 blue angels you know where they have that deal where they they peel off one of the planes well this guy peeled off from the formation and he returned back to jesus because he got it he got it you see he knew his blessing he was blessed and his blessing demanded a response from him. And so he went and he thanks Jesus. He thanks Jesus for what he did. Um, true thankfulness, it comes from within. It's a positive response. And in this case, it is a positive response to God. And in this story, notice this, in this story, the hero in the story, is he a Jew? Nope, he's not a Jew. He's a Samaritan. These half-breeds, outcasts, the people the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with. Now, I find, this I find it interesting that Jesus told a parable, which was a made-up story. And in that story about how we're to love each other, the hero of the story was a Samaritan. We call him the Good Samaritan. And in this story now, that is not a made-up story, but a true story, we have once again a Samaritan this is the only one out of ten that gets it right and gives thanks to God. Interesting, isn't it? 
So what does Jesus do when he comes back? Well, Jesus asks three questions. I mean, it's kind of like rapid fire. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God but this foreigner? So the implication is that at least some of them, maybe all the others, were Jews. The people who are part of the rich spiritual heritage of God's blessing, His chosen people. Surely of all the people, they would get it. No, they didn't. They didn't. Now, now there's something else here. I think the story tells us something. It tells us something about Jesus or about gratitude. I I don't know quite how to say this. Um, I don't think... I don't think Jesus needed anything. I don't think he needed them to come back and to thank him. Um, I think he wanted it. I think he desired it. I think he was pleased to hear it. But probably on another level, I think it was just the right thing to do. It was just the right thing to do. Jesus responds in verse 19 as we wrap up the, the passage. There, rise and go, your faith has made you well. well. I thought he was well already. I mean, was he already well? Was he already cleansed as he went? What's he talking about? You know, I, I, I think it's deeper than just a physical healing. I think his faith seems to be validated and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it seems as though you've not, he's not only been filled, healed physically, but spiritually as well because of his response to Jesus. And to still the commercial, you know, physical healing is valuable, but spiritual healing is, well, it's priceless. It's priceless. You know, Je- Jesus was not satisfied with them just believing enough to go in and act and go to the priest. Now that was something, but he also expected gratitude in this. I think the nine could be considered to be rude people. But more than that, they really missed encountering Jesus, who was far more than a physical healer. He was the Messiah Redeemer. Nine ran the wrong way. One returned to Jesus. So, I wonder, about, I wonder about the percentages. Is, is, you know, do one out of a ten of us that have been healed give thanks? Is it a 10% kind of club? I don't know. It shouldn't be. And, and you know, again, I think it's kind of where I started. There's a lot of things we know we ought to. You know, we, we ought to pray more. We ought to praise God more. We ought to give thanks more. Those kinds of things like that. But we're, we're too busy. We're, we're just too busy. Um, and not necessarily about bad things, but maybe we're too busy with good things. You know, with our families and with, with making a living or, or whatever it is. You know, these are, you know those kind of things we're, we're, we're going to. You know, you know, when I get some time, when I get past this, when I'm not so busy, when I finish this project... When I graduate from school, when I get through with this job, when I retire, when I have more money, when I have whatever it is, 
then I'm going to do those things that are really important. I've been watching this in ministry for a long time now. The people who tell me those things, that they're going to do it when they get past something, never get past it. I, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's like a rule. Because there's always something else. Always something else. Hmm. You know, this man, when he, when he realized what had happened and the deeper implications of the goodness and the grace and the power of Jesus, I believe the overflow of his heart had to be gratitude toward God and praise toward God, to praise toward Jesus. And I just want to tell you this. And I know you're busy, and I know you got a lot of things, and I know when you get past such and such, you're going to do all this. And I know all that. I know, I know that. I just want to tell you this. King Jesus is going to be praised. King Jesus is going to be praised. Do you remember, do you remember Palm, think, think to Easter, right before Easter is Palm Sunday. The Sunday before, they're coming in to Jerusalem, and, and the, uh, the people there are, are worshiping. They put down the palm branches. You know, we do that with the kids sometimes, have the palm branches and do the little processional thing. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, palm branches, and, and, and Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God. And, and, and the, the religious leaders who were cold-hearted people, told Jesus, they scolded Jesus, and they said, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Re rebuke these people for, for praising you. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Think about that. You know what I think? I think this. I think God is worthy and God will be praised. And the only question is whether we will be part of the cosmic chorus that praises him for his goodness and his grace. He's going to be praised. He's going to be praised. It's just whether we get to have a part in that or not. That's your choice. Now, Coming back to this gratitude, I, I want to bring it, bring it into kind of where we live. I, I'm, I, I believe that that axiom is true that says that you find what you're looking for. I, I think you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for something to be disgruntled about and unhappy and ungrateful and unthankful, you can find it. You can find it. We don't live in a perfect world. We're not perfect people. And if you want to find the goodness and the grace of God and something to be thankful for, you can find that too. You can find that. You know, we, we really ought to be thankful. Because, you know, we think, somehow we get this illusion, get this illusion that we, we control our lives, that we're in control. And all of us here, we, just, we depend on the sun shining and the rain falling and the medicine that was discovered and the, the doctors and the nurses and the asteroid that missed the earth and the brakes that worked and the tree that fell away from the house instead of on our bedroom and the wreck we avoided and the disease that was cured. And for some of us, even the heart attack that wasn't fatal. 
you know? The paradox is in the story is that we, when we recognize our dependence and when we express genuine gratitude to God, we are the ones that benefit. True gratitude means that we understand who we are and who God is. It's a posture of humility and dependence. And gratitude has lots of good side benefits. I was thinking about my own besetting sins, and I'm not going to confess them all to you today, but the seven deadly is a pretty good place to start. You know, pride, envy, anger, sloth, greed, lust, gluttony. That's a good list. That's a good list. I'm guessing some of us deal with some of those things. Like pride. But, But if we're thankful people, listen to this, if we're thankful people... Pride is combated when we realize that there's one that's greater than one, us, one who is the giver, not us, and we align ourselves in a healthy, thankful way. We know we're not number one. We're not superior. We can't live independently. So being grateful, thankful people helps us to deal with our own pride. Now, I'm not going to help you work through the other six. You can do those on your own. That's your assignment. But I think gratitude, you can see, how does that help you with envy? I bet you can see that. Angry. We get angry angry at people because we have unfulfilled expectations. Thankful people, do you think that combats unfulfilled expectations? If we're really grateful people? Just start working your way through that list. See what you come up with. Matthew Henry wrote his commentary back in the 1600s, I think it was. And he he wrote about this passage, and I like this. He said, temporal mercies are then doubled and sweetened to us when they are fetched in by the prayers of faith and returned by the praises of faith. So the question today is, will you be one of the nine or will you be the one? Will you align yourself with the nine who just ran off doing good things, getting themselves to the priest so they could take care of that and miss the best because they weren't thankful to the one who gave them? You know, gratitude is, is something I think that uh, it's really a matter of perspective. It's really a matter of perspective. I remember probably been 10 years ago before my mother passed away, I was talking to her on the phone one day and she said, oh, my freezer, my freezer went out and I lost all the food in my chest freezer. But she says, but you know the Lord's so good. The Lord's so good. Todd, who is her grandson, my nephew, Todd came over and he cleaned it out for me. Now, she could have been sitting there. She could have been sitting there whining. I lost all the food in my freezer. I think that's probably what Al would have done. I don't know, maybe some of you would have done that. And I'm sure she was sad that happened, but she also could see that God was still good and God was still working and God still took care of her and her unique situation as a 90-year-old woman that her grandson came and cleaned out the freezer for her. That's gratitude. That's taking a different perspective than the norm. 
I think we underestimate thankfulness. It has the power to change how we see everything. And it seems so small and it seems so insignificant. But I think it changes our attitude right in the middle of it all. It tells us in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances when your freezer goes out. Okay? When things don't work out the way you thought they would. When you turn to God, because being thankful is saying to God, I believe that you are in control and I am willing, I am willing to trust you. I'm willing to trust you. I don't see how this is going to be any good, but I am willing to trust you and thank you even in the midst of it. And when that happens... He changes our perspective. And when he changes our perspective, we start finding things to be thankful for. And we start finding more and more things to be thankful for. Is that because there's more things to be thankful for? Maybe God gives us more. Maybe. But it just may be that he's opened our eyes to what's already there. I think more often it's that. He opens our eyes to what is already there there and if we start making that choice consistently it becomes a pattern of our lives and it becomes our default position and it becomes almost a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that God's going to do good things and God's going to give me things and I'm going to be thankful for what he brings into my life and I'm going to see the hand of God a good and gracious God and I'm going to thank him and I'm going to praise him So, will you be the one? Or will you be the nine? Will you see the blessings of God and in the hustle and the busyness of this very temporary passing life, will you cultivate and communicate gratitude to God for all that He's done? Now, as always, if you have questions about your spiritual journey and moving toward God, I'd love to chat with you about that. But for all of us today, how did you do on Thanksgiving Day? Was it a day of thanking? It's not too late. You know, it's not just for one day of the year. It's, it's, all, it's all year round, giving gratitude to God. Let's stand together for our closing prayer. For I lead us in prayer, would, would you just take time right now to thank God? I'll guarantee you, you have something in your life to thank Him for. And maybe some today, you need to give thanks in everything, and maybe that means something that you don't even understand right now. And you don't know how God is going to work it together for good, but you're believing the God's promise in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And so in the middle of the journey, while you're still in turmoil, when you're confused, will you trust him? Will you obey him? Will you thank him? Right now.
Father in heaven, we agree today together that you are indeed a good, good father. You're worthy of our love, our adoration, and our gratitude for all that, all that you are to us, all that you have done for us, most of all the amazing grace that you've shown to us in providing a way for us to be forgiven and to be adopted into your families. It's the best news ever, and we thank you for it. May we live in light of that this week as we face the whirlwind of life. May we remember you and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.